0: And for the first time in two years, I changed the question that I was asking. Instead of me asking, why me? Why won't somebody help me? For the first time in two years, I asked this very simple question. I asked, what can I do to feel better?
1: You're listening to the Redefining Wealth Podcast with Patrice Washington. This is where you come each and every week to learn more about what it means to chase purpose, not money, through our six pillars of wealth. If you're brand new here, welcome. You want to go ahead and subscribe. I'm telling you now. And you also want to head to patricewashington.com forward slash start here so you can get caught up on what the six pillars mean and why we talk about all the other parts of life that impact your finances, even when you're not thinking about it. Today, I sit down with my friend, Sean Stevenson. He is the podcast host of the Model Health Show, which is the number one fitness and nutrition podcast in the United States. Mm Mm-hmm the number one and he is here today he's gonna be making the connection between eating smarter sleeping smarter and how this all connects to redefining wealth and i am so excited before we jump in let's get to the affirmation of the week you know you gotta speak positivity into your life into your day You got to affirm positivity, you got to affirm abundance, you got to affirm yourself to well. This week's affirmation is, my fit pillar is my priority this season. I understand that becoming my best self physically and mentally is the first step in improving my life financially. I honor, protect, and respect the one vessel I've been given to execute my purpose on this earth because I refuse to work just to afford prescriptions I cannot pronounce. I invest in my health today because I am clear that if neglected, it will surely impact my lifestyle and finances tomorrow. I don't care what diseases run in my family. I am making a choice to be healthy and break generational cycles of unhealthy behavior starting now. My fit pillar is my priority this season. Today's guest is Sean Stevenson. He's the author of the international best selling books, Sleep Smarter and Eat Smarter, and creator of the Model Health Show, featured as the number one fitness and nutrition podcast in the United States. Sean studied business, biology, and nutritional science, and went on to found Advanced Integrative Health Alliance, a company that provides wellness services for individuals and organizations worldwide. Today, Sean is revolutionizing the health and wellness space and changing the way we both eat and sleep in order to live healthier and more productive lives. Without further ado, here is Sean Stevenson. Welcome to the Redefining Wealth podcast, Sean.
0: Uh, thank you so much for having me.
1: Oh my gosh. You have no idea how excited I am. Um, and I don't know if I told you this when I was on your amazing podcast, which by the way, do you know, people tag me like at least two or three times a week and say, I heard you on the model health show. Like still deal months later, people are still yeah. tagging me saying, thank you so much. And I'm like, thank me. No, thanks Sean and his mm. amazing wife, Ann for the connection. But I mean, I don't know if I told you this that day, but I originally found you because a few years ago, someone in my community of Purpose Chasers was like, hey, you, would, you really need to check out this podcast. And I was like, okay. And then I heard them talk, I heard you talking about Sleep Smarter. And I made Sleep Smarter our Patrice's pod club. It was like a book club for people who listen to the podcast. Sleep Smarter was our choice, our pick um, for like six weeks. And we read Sleep Smarter and I'm not gonna lie, Sean. I was like, oh my God, I have been sleeping so dumb. Like by the time I was reading (laughs) through the book, I was like, I definitely have not been sleeping smart at all. But then that isn't even how I really connected with you. Your wife connected with me on social media. And I used to chat with her in the DMs and had no idea that Anne was even your wife. She was just a cool friend on Instagram. And what an example of, there's always someone watching you who has the power to bless you. We always talk about that here, right? Had no idea the connection years later. So super excited.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's so true. What you just said, even to kick things off, that's a big part of reality. You know, just doing the work, finding a way to be of service. You never know who's listening, who's watching. And this is the thing about you too that I really admire is the congruency. Because when you get caught just being yourself, you don't have to worry about it. You know, a lot of people today, of course, getting caught up being... Incongruent and trying to put on a certain mask or facade of what their life looks like. Again, like we're, we're kind of hardwired for some of the behaviors that we have, but today it's just so much in our face. And so, you know, my wife was just catching you being yourself. And so the person that I met that showed up was that same congruent human being. And this is what people connect with, you know. Yeah. So the same thing, you know, for myself personally, just finding a way to add value to be of service. And now, you know, I, I'm i from Ferguson, Missouri. You know, when I met Anne, I lived in Ferguson, Missouri. I was my, my mattress was on the floor. I don't know how she stayed with me. You know what I'm saying? Like she must have been like, you have major potential. <laughs> but even at that point, though, you know, when she met me, I was a strength and conditioning coach at the university gym, you know, trying to finish my classes. I was a super duper senior at that point, you know. <laughs> And what's a uh, super
1: duper senior. Uh, that,
0: you know, you're supposed to get it was a four year degree, but it took me about seven, you know, okay. but I, I got kicked out for a year from a private university when I went pre-med. You know, it was never an academic thing. You know, even Ann would tell you this It's so funny. And I have literally never shared this before. But when Ann met me, she was like, how do you, how are you like passing your classes? You never buy books. I wouldn't, ne- I wouldn't buy books. I barely go to class. I, if need be, I'd borrow a book from somebody if it was an assignment, you know, just the, the people skills, you know, yeah, and just show up and take the test like school, school. And you know this, too, like this conventional education, there's a system to it, you know, and if you can learn that system and master that system, that's one thing. But that's not intelligence. Intelligence is something that's massively lacking in our conventional education system, the encouragement of intelligence, which a hallmark. And even we'll talk about this today is critical thinking you know, mm-hmm. to be able to see beyond, because what we're learning typically is a preconceived narrative about how it is. Spe- like, history is a good example. Who history are you getting? Ooh. You know, it's whoever, yeah. it's the person who won, basically, mm-hmm. you know, that's the history that you're getting and it's often incomplete. And so being able to add these skills to the mix, and this is why I do what I do too, is to encourage people to think logically, to ask questions to have healthy skepticism and also to be open-minded as well. So we can have great conversations.
1: Okay. This already about to be off the chain. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited. Okay. So you were talking about, uh, what, you know, your younger days, super duper senior, but I know that at the age of 20, you were diagnosed with a degenerate degenerative bone disease. Um, can you talk about how that experience, Possibly put you on the path uh, to who you are today.
0: Absolutely. So, as I mentioned, when I first went to college, um, I the reason I went pre med to, to on a pre med track is because I thought that that's what I should do to be successful. You know, I I never met in my actual real life anybody who had been a doctor, let alone graduated from a university. I just didn't have that in my environment. And The reason I did it was because of the Cosby Show. You know, I was like, he's a doctor. You know, she's a lawyer. Like, that's what I should do. I want to have a a happy family. Mm -hmm. You know, but the thing was, I hated science. You know, so conflict of interest already out of the gate. You know, so I'm trying to do something that I detest every day, and you know, it was it was just a matter of alignment, and also the way that I was being taught. Because here's the thing, you know, and I love this statement from my friend Michael Beckwith said the statement that. God doesn't call the qualified. God qualifies the called. Yes. Right. And so I'm showing up and I'm like, okay, I should do this thing. But it wasn't until I lost my health. It wasn't until my health was stripped away from me, you know, because I was a young, you know, just high level athlete. Everything was going great. And then suddenly I get this diagnosis, but everything wasn't really going great because I had symptoms and signs along the way. When I was 15 years old at track practice and I was a two sport, high level athlete, ran a four, forty, like NFL times. When I was just 15 years old, I was a kid. But at track practice, just doing a, t- a time trial, I broke my hip just from running. You know, like there's no way that a child should break his hip. And I didn't fall or anything, I was just running. The act of running broke my bone. And so that would be a huge red flag for somebody if they were trained to think critically. But right. what I experienced was something called standard of care. When I went to see the physician, they took a, an x-ray, put it up. They saw my iliac crest was broken. This little, my hip bone was broken off. And I was like, oh, that's the problem. You know, cause I was limping. And he was like, okay, you know, we get, he gave me some NSAIDs, you know, some anti, some non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, ultrasound treatment. And, but he didn't stop to ask, how did a kid break his hip from running?
1: Right.
0: That's not normal, you know, and it wasn't until again, I was in college at the time when I get this diagnosis that I had this advanced arthritic condition in my bones, specifically my spine was the hardest hit and everything runs through your spine. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I started to have this really difficult, uh, uh, basically a blockage in my nervous system to be able to even walk normally. Like I couldn't extend my leg properly and had this really bad sciatic pain that, Sometimes I'd only sleep, you know, 30 minutes, you know, at a time at night and I wake up, the pain would keep waking me up. It was a nightmare, you know? So um, it was about two years of this experience. And finally, so this was the age of 20. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just going to condense the story. So I go in to see the physician who gives me this diagnosis, right? You have this so-called incurable condition, right? And again, I'm 20 years old. I'm a kid. I'm used to working with the trainers. Even when I broke my hip, they were like, okay, here's what we'll do. Patch you up. You'll be back on the football field or on the track. So I'm just like, okay, let's, what do we got to do to fix this? You know, put the MRI up. He's like, you have this degenerative disc disease. And I was like, okay, so how do we fix this? And he kind of like reached out to me and like, looked at me with pity. He was like, I'm sorry, son, this is incurable. You know, this is something you're going to have to live with. And I was just like, my my brain didn't even register what he was saying. I was like, what? So I literally and this is a pre this is a preview of what, what what was to come because something in my spirit drove me to ask him this question that I had no context for asking him this question. I asked him, does this have anything to do with what I'm eating? Should I exercise differently? I wasn't a nutritionist. I wasn't versed in food mattering, matter of fact, I probably ate worse than anybody you've ever met, and I'm not exaggerating. I'll tell a little bit more about that later. but he looked at me like I was from another planet when I said that. And he said that this has nothing, he literally, these were his words. This has nothing to do with what you're eating. This is something that just happens. And I'm sorry it happened to you. Mm. And he was like, we're going to get you some medication, you know, to help you to deal with this pain. And he sent me on my way. Now here's the irony of the situation looking back. He said, this has nothing to do with what I was putting in my mouth, but he wrote me a prescription to put some pills in my mouth, right? So I'm just like, Hmm. But because of that, and I just was talking about this yesterday, it's first time I articulated this. I've always been somebody who's been a, a seeker of alternative answers. You know, like I don't just settle for something can't be done. I find a way. Like my whole life, I've had to have that to endure the conditions that I come from, right, and to come out the other side. But in that context, in that moment, when he said there's nothing I could do, I just kind of shut down, you know? I believed him and he kind of gave me permission to stop struggling. Your life has been a struggle. You've got permission now to not do anything and nobody would have blamed me, you Mm -hmm. know? And so two years go by and this this is when I live in Ferguson. And I'm telling you, when I step out my door out the apartment complex, liquor store right there uh-huh lee's chicken taco bell Domino's, papa john's chi- the chinese food but it's not like a nice chinese restaurant it's like bulletproof glass mm-hmm. you know the, the fried rice the whole thing you know mcdonald's sounds
1: like uh, every urban community in america pretty yeah, much because yeah. that sounds very familiar to what mm. i walked outside to
0: a quote food desert they give it give it a cute name now you know it's just, it just sounds exotic let's go to this desert Uh, It's not good, you know? And so I'm I'm not exaggerating at all. I ate ate fast food every day, every single day because it was cheap and it was accessible. And I had no context that this even mattered. Like, it's just food. You just eat it. I didn't know that there was a difference between a McDonald's cheeseburger and, you know, uh, broccoli or wild-caught salmon or whatever, like, it was just food. And so I was making my tissues out of this really low-quality stuff. And so I gained... In this time period, I was always a skinny kid in my family, right? So, you know, I've got a lot of obesity in my family, but I was like the skinny kid. But that fat gene got very active in those two years. All right. Definitely got a lot thicker, a lot more fluffy. And uh, to the degree, the love seat that I had, even when Ann met me, you know, a couple of years later, my big ass broke the love seat just sitting there. Watching TV, play video games. So I stuffed some pillows up under the love seat uh, cushion. All right. So these are things I would have never talked about back in the day, but it happened. You know,
1: it's real.
0: And so you know, just to put the icing on on the metaphorical cake of the story, you know, two years go by, and it's not only am I I'm not recognizing the person I see in the mirror anymore, but my 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 mental state is just. Uh, to put it lightly, it's a dumpster fire. All right, it is terrible. It's trash. Every every moment of the day, whenever I become cognizant of the just the the where I was at my state, I was habitually asking, "Why me? Why me? Why won't somebody help me?" You know. And there's now you know being a scientist and being in this field for twenty years, there's a part of our brain. You know, we have reticular cortex, reticular activating system, but there's this process. It's called instinctive elaboration. The human brain is really hardwired to do this. It's kind of like how we evolved. It is driven by questions. The human brain itself, questions really are the answer. They're guiding all of our decisions and our focus. And so that was my dominant question was why me? Why is my life so bad? And so your brain, your your mind itself will be constantly scanning your external and internal environment to affirm and find reasons to support why you, why your life's so bad. And so all I did was just see so much negativity and after two years of this, just this turmoil, and after getting three more opinions, which I highly recommend if you ever get a, a, a diagnosis that's, you know, really bad news, which I, I just got to share this. I was just talking with uh, Tony Robbins the other day, which is pretty dope to be able, able to say that. Yeah. I was just talking with him the other day, and he let me know he had put this study that I shared with him in his recent book, but he had shared a study with me as well, looking at the incidence the, the incidents of people getting a second opinion and, whether, and how close they were to that first opinion, all right. The second opinion, when, when people get an initial diagnosis and they get that second opinion, it's only the same 12% of the time. This was done by the Mayo Clinic. Only 12% of the time is it the same diagnosis and 21% of the time it is significantly different than the initial diagnosis, mm-hmm. right? But I was in that guild where I got essentially the same diagnosis for myself because I was seeking counsel from the same type of thinkers. You know, you have this incurable condition, this cookie cutter thing, that's that. And so after getting that last permission slip to not do anything, it hit me. I was sitting there one night. I was about to take my pills to try to sleep at night and to deal with this pain. And it just kind of came rushing into my awareness that I had been wasting two years of my life, believing them. And they're not even thinking about me right now. They might be having dinner with their family right now. You know, they, they mean well, but they're literally telling me they can't help me. And yet I'm keep, I keep asking them to help me. And for the first time in two years, I changed the question that I was asking. Instead of me asking why me, why won't somebody help me? For the first time in two years, I asked this very simple question. I asked, what can I do to feel better? What can I do to get healthy. And I'm telling you, like, and and again, it's not like the clouds parted and like, Mm -hmm. you know, that kind of scenario, but the next, like I slept through the night for the first time. And I don't know what it was. Like I slept through the night and I got up and I had this new vitality. And I was still in college at the time. I was literally limping my way through my classes, but I had access to the computer lab and, you know, this ability to do research. So I started to investigate, okay, so my bones are degenerating. What are my bones made of? All I knew about was calcium from the TV, but I actually looked into it. What are my discs made of that were degenerating? And I found out there were all of these specific compounds, nutrients from foods that make up these tissues that I hadn't had in years, if even you know, in, in my adult life, period. And so I'm deficient on the very raw materials that my body needs to make me and the human body is far more intelligent than any of us can even understand. We're not even remotely close to understanding this intelligence that's guiding and creating our bodies. Like, it's, we're not even close.
1: I have a confession to make. My relationship with looking good is so complicated. I don't know if you're anything like me, but I like high quality clothes. I just don't like going shopping and I definitely don't always want to pay high quality prices, if you know what I'm saying. Plus, I don't always want to wear the same stuff over and over again. So I was super excited when I found out about the clothing rental membership armoire because they are making getting dressed stylish, but super easy. When I signed up, I took a five minute style quiz and based on my preferences, they offered suggestions that would best match my lifestyle. I'm filming in a few weeks and I literally just got the cutest blazers delivered to my door in as little as two days. And when I'm ready for new clothes, I can just swap them out for more new to me styles. So whether you're planning your outfit for a date night, packing for a conference, or in need of a gown for some black tie event, you will be the best dressed person in the room and you won't have to feel bad for only wearing something once. Now, What I also love is that Armoire is women-founded and women-led. They even spotlight women-owned designers on their website. So I know I'm wearing brands that are aligned with my values. I love that I can support a business that's built by women like me. If you're ready to have your dream closet delivered to your door, you might want to try Armoire. I promise you will never be without the perfect outfit for any occasion ever again. And right now, Redefining Wealth listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash wealth. That is armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash wealth to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today.
0: But I know one thing. If you don't provide your body the raw materials to do the job, it's going to do a patchwork job putting you together. You know, and so... Once I found this out, I just started to, and I'll just, I'll confess, I first became a natural pill popper, all right? So I found out, okay, I need sulfur, I need, you know, these uh, sulfur-bearing amino acids, I need silica, I need omega-3s. And I had a friend, when I asked that different question, I had this friend that I had known her for years. And she was already, like, she was in chiropractic school, all this stuff. I knew her, I thought she was weird. But when I asked (laughs) this question, within a week, she has me and we're at Wild Oats, you know, who's since been bought by Whole Foods, but we're at Wild Oats. It was there. Wild Oats was there the whole time.
1: Yeah. It was there the
0: whole time, but because I wasn't attuned to it, I didn't know that it, that it even existed. So the solution was there. You know, there cannot be a problem without a solution. It's two sides of the same coin. So I go in there and I find these books and I'm reading, you know, I look for my symptoms, you know, my particular diagnosis. And I start to. See, there's studies on this. Like, why? Why don't? Why doesn't anybody know this? Why didn't anybody tell me this? And so I just started to buy these supplements with a little bit of college refund check money I had, you know. <laughs> and uh, it got too expensive to be honest. And so I was just like, "Well, I got to find these nutrients in food." So I quickly transitioned to flooding my tissues with real foods that had these nutrients. And man, within six weeks of that moment of like changing my question, I lost about 15 pounds which is not, uh, results not typical, by the way. Again, I was a skinny kid in my family and that weight just fell off of me. And most importantly, the pain that had literally kept me up at night, that had been a nightmare in my life was gone in six weeks. Now, not saying I had a complete regeneration of my spine yet, that wasn't until nine months later when I got a scan done and this so-called incurable condition. And I remember the doctor just holding his chin. He was just like, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. Yeah, whatever you're doing, keep doing it um he's like i've never seen this, these kind of results before and i completely regenerated my my, my disc in my back and um, because before they were like little thin pieces of fried baloney looking disc and now the light was shining through them and instead of the thing is even looking back like why didn't he ask me what i was doing right you know? <laughs> because that's what
1: i was thinking okay so if you have seen this before you will see it again you're seeing the results here and you're not asking what are you doing so you can pass that on to future to future patients? How does that work?
0: It's that standard of care mentality. It doesn't fit the box. And so for his mind, it's just like spontaneous remission. You know, something happened to this this guy's body just figured it out, you know, it's whatever. A miracle. Yeah, it's a miracle. But you got to stack conditions in your favor for those yeah. miracles to happen. You could you can create the space for them, you know. And so that's what took place. And, and by the way, so I changed what I was putting into my body, yes, but the second part was for these two years after spending my lifetime as an athlete, I didn't do anything because they told me not to. And so here's a big key for everybody in the context of what exercise really is because in our culture, we see exercise as a way to get sexy. We see exercise as a way, is as as that's the bridge to getting the body that we wanna have. That's a side effect. Exercise, mm. we, were, we did not evolve exercise, like quote, exercising, we just moved because that's how you live. But today, so much of our movement has been outsourced to all of these wonderful inventions that we have, like we've created so much technology that has reduced the need for us to move at all. And so we use a gym to kind of replicate, like have a, um, a simulation of an athletic experience in, in reality. But here's what exercise does and why our genes expect us to move is is because exercise does two things that nothing else can do. Number one, exercise helps to increase the assimilation of nutrients from the food that you eat, all right? And I know this because early on, I came across this study that was done on racehorses, of all things, and which is a, the business is crazy. It's like a (laughs) billion-dollar entity, multi-billion-dollar business. Horses can be worth, you know, tens of millions of dollars, and if the horse breaks a leg, like you can be like seriously hurt. And so they did these studies to see if they can increase the bone density of horses. And I was like, that's my issue. I need some bone density. And so they had a control group that they didn't do anything with the horses. And then they had a study group that they gave the horses supplements, very much like I was doing in the beginning. And they did increase the bone density of the horses, but they had another group. And I think people who even look at the study would possibly look past it. They walked the horses and gave them supplements. And their bone density was even higher because that movement creates that essentially like a vacuum to pull in nutrients for cellular repair. And so, without movement, like we're you could spend all this money on these fancy foods and supplements and all this, yeah. but if you're not moving, you're not getting the full benefit. And the second part of exercise is very similar exercise is very similar to the word exorcise, right? So, like to get something out, like we tend to think about like. That movie, it was um, the, Exorcist, the Exorcist, right? The Exorcist, yeah. I'm from St. Louis, so I think, like, I don't know if it was the, the story came from there or something like that, but it <laughs> creeps me out, right? But exercise and exercise, it's just a letter difference in their, you know, the way that they're written. Yeah. And exercise, ex, the, the, the act of movement is the number one, it's the dominant way that our body eliminates metabolic waste from our system. If we're not moving our bodies literally like we have a lymphatic system. Mm -hmm. Like if you, if you want to think about, I know everybody can remember like maybe their biology book and you can see like the circulatory system, like you got the, you know, the little Mm -hmm. uh, diagram guy, you got the circulatory system looking like electricity going throughout the body. Even the nervous system is like that, but the lymphatic system is like that as well. And the lymphatic system is our extracellular waste management, right? So it's helping to remove metabolic waste and toxic and toxins And also our immune system, a lot of our immune system is located within our lymphatic system as well. People might know like swollen lymph nodes and breast Mm -hmm. cancer and all these things are tied to that. But if literally your your lymphatic system is not like your circulatory system, your blood has has a pump essentially to help move it throughout your system and your arteries constrict as well. Your lymphatic system doesn't have a pump. It only moves when you move. If you're not moving, literally this this waste, it gets stagnant in your system. And so we start to become like, uh, you know, like with the if the basement gets flooded. You know, it gets really nasty really quickly inside of our bodies. So that's the two primary things. And the side effect of movement increasing your assimilation, detoxification of your system. The side effect is you'll tend to get a little bit sexier as well, which is great. <laughs> right. That's the bonus. Mm-hmm. You know, so those are the two things I employed. I it, you know radically improved my nutrition started to just do what I could because at the time I was in pain. I just went, did a little uh, pedaling on the stationary bike, started walking some. Eventually I picked up some dumbbells again, did some weights. Before you know it, man, things really clicked into place. And the last thing, and I'll leave it with this is when I started doing these good things for myself during the day, I started sleeping better at night.
1: And when I started to to sleep, (laughs)
0: listen, if you're not sleeping well, you're not healing. You're not healing well. And when I started to sleep well, man, I got better so fast. And now, of course, I know the science behind it all and help other people yes. understand it. But oh. That's the story.
1: Oh, my gosh. OK, this is so good. Like this is amazing because I always talk about here on the show that the fit pillar is not just about trying to reduce the number on the scale or the very vanity metrics that we talk about. So, oh, I wanna look sexy or, oh, I want this. There are so many other things attached to taking care of the only vessel you're going to get to execute the vision, right? And I believe that purpose requires us to take care of our physical bodies because we all have a vision for our lives and there are things that we know we are purposed to do. But when we're not sleeping, and we're sluggish, right? And we're not eliminating waste and we're not taking care of ourselves. Just in general, I truly don't believe that we can show up as the very best versions of ourselves to do the task at hand, like to do the things that we were called to do. So when we come back from this quick break, you're gonna break down some more stuff for us from Eat Smarter and Sleep Smarter and just tell us how we can get it together and not be dumber (laughs) in this area. We'll be right back. Hey there. If you're brand new to the Redefining Wealth podcast, maybe you've been thinking to yourself, well, what are the six pillars? What's the actual breakdown and what does that all entail? Well, I broke it all down for you in a free audio training called The Truth About Wealth. I want you to go check it out at patricewashington.com forward slash start here. The Truth About Wealth is going to walk you through what each one of the six pillars are, but it's also gonna help you assess where you are in your journey, so that as you continue to listen to the podcast and lean in a little bit more to this idea of becoming a purpose chaser, you know exactly where you need to start. So head to patricewashington.com forward slash start here and get your free audio training, The Truth About Wealth today. Okay, Sean, that story was so amazing. I'm so grateful that you asked a better question because you had the Whatever spirit moved you in that moment to ask a better question, look at the millions of lives all over the world that have been impacted by your work. And I'm so grateful that you get to share some of this with my purpose chasers, because I know we need it, especially because I serve predominantly black women in this community. And I know from, I think it was sleep smarter. One of your books talked about blacks having the highest rate of cardiovascular disease in the US. Um, and it was, you mentioned something about, oh, how women who get fewer than four hours of sleep were twice as likely to die from premature heart disease. There are so many things. And I can imagine someone getting heart disease, going to the doctor and the doctor kind of doing what you said, standard of care, like you got it. Like we're here now, so take these pills and hope for the best, but essentially, and I don't know if it, it relates to heart disease or which diseases, but you're saying that if we ask better questions, which is how can I feel better? What can I do? Like what's in my control, right? That we can start to shift some things. What do you say, especially to women, cause our audience is primarily women who yeah. are just not taking care of themselves. Maybe they're not sleeping well, they're not eating well. Where do we start?
0: Yeah, well, it starts understanding your power. You know, first and foremost, because I'm a I'm a very I'm an analytical thinker. You know, I'm a scientist, even though I detested science, it was the way that I was taught. And it was for a reason. You know, life qualified me for that moment to like really understand what the break is. Why don't people understand this stuff? Because I didn't care to understand. And the stuff that I learned in school, like I have a I paid to get miseducated. All right. You know, shout out to shout out to Lauryn Hill you know, with the (laughs) miseducation, but for real, like I I paid for an education that left me broken, you know, and also broke people be, you know, broke and broken Mm. coming out of these systems. And, you know, we're just indoctrinated with these ideas about how things are supposed to be. And for for me, I want to point people to, let's look at the results. Like, let's actually take an honest look at how we're doing with the way that our healthcare system and our ideas about health are actually working. Here in the United States right now, as of this recording, we're knocking on the door of 50% of our citizens being clinically obese. All right, right now, prior to COVID, it was 45%. And I know that COVID has jettisoned you know, the, the, the delay and has increased that uh, number dramatically. And we know this because we got some number from the CDC looking at the obesity epidemic with children. Just during COVID, children who are moderately obese, their annual weight gain over this time span doubled. Their annual rate of weight gain doubled. Even children who are considered to be of a healthy weight, their annual weight gain jumped up by several pounds. Like something is going on. That's just with children. We haven't got the numbers back on adults yet, but we know it's not good. And so that's number one. So that equates to, we got about 250 million of our citizens are overweight or obese right now. Something is seriously awry and we can't just act like this is okay and normal. And it's not about a vanity thing. This is about dramatically increasing your risk of dying early from all manner of conditions because nine of the 10 leading causes of death in the United States every year, nine out of 10 of them are related to insulin resistance and obesity. So this isn't like, this isn't about everybody being the same because I think that that's part of the problem right now in in this discussion is because we have these ideas and we have this movement towards accepting our bodies. Absolutely. We must do that. I've been talking about this stuff before. It's popular. Yeah. Because part of the non-acceptance of our bodies leads us to dysfunctional behavior because we don't appreciate our uniqueness and our beauty. And the fact that we're not supposed to be, you know, there for a time, you know, when we were growing up, it was like, you know, it was doing the, the the slim figure, you know, the, the, it was yeah, doing the, the very, the, you know, the, the
1: weight models, I think it was called. And everybody was very, very slender. Yeah. You know,
0: kind of, we doing the flat thing now today, of course it's the, it's, it, you know, it's the it's JLo different. paradigm, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. different, it's different, you know? And so, but because of that, we changed the way that we approach how our bodies should look. Right. And not to say that there's anything wrong with it. It's just different. And we're not really acknowledging how special we are. And the fact that we have so much power to have the healthiest expression of our potential, our beauty. So I want to direct people to that, but also we got to be real. Something is wrong. We're we're creating the conditions to where we're losing so many of our family members. Yeah. We're losing ourselves. You know, 70% of US citizens are on drugs right now, pharmaceutical drugs, prescription medications. We're the most drug culture in the history of the world, yet we're the sickest here in the history of the world in the United States. We're literally the most chronically diseased nation in history with, again, 250 million people overweight or obese. 130 million Americans are type 2 diabetic or pre-diabetic. 60% of our citizens have some degree of heart disease already, just a ticking time bomb. 70, 70 million Americans, digestive diseases upwards of 50 million Americans, autoimmune conditions. I can keep going on and on and on. Wow. Something is wrong because here's the thing. Three decades ago, numbers weren't remotely close to this. All right. From, this, from Literally from the 1980s and prior, there were very, very slow ticks upward. Something happened in the 1980s where we went from around a 70%, 17% obesity rate up to about a 30% obesity rate. It took a dramatic jump. And again, for us to step back and say, okay, what, what's going on here? And as you mentioned, the, the, the individuals in our culture who are facing the, the, the heaviest weight of this literally is Black women. My family, you know, again, like I said, I was a skinny, the skinny kid in my family. Every one of the women in my family was obese. My aunties, my mother, all right? It was just, it's the norm. And now here's the rub, because in this culture, the most abused and self-abused, abusive person, unknowingly, a self-sacrificing person is the black woman. Is, is, is our, oh, my, my aunt, I'm just thinking about my aunt right now. Doing so much for other people, because again, it's the program. We gotta take care of everybody else and put herself last, mm. you know, to the degree that, and then sometimes people don't end up coming through for you like that. You know, so we got to shift around our priorities and start to understand how valuable you are and for you to show up better for everybody. You know this. You've had this breakthrough for you to show up better for your family, for your followers, for the people who support you. You take care of yourself. You put a priority on yourself. It might not always be 100, but you got to understand you can't be pouring from an empty cup. And so be growing up and seeing this and understanding this is where it also can get a little bit confusing for folks who aren't from where we're from. It's not like my mother set out to be obese. It wasn't her intention. It's a, it's a culture where this is the access that we have. You know, again, mm-hmm. she doesn't know any better. You know, she's just doing what, what's in the environment. She would cook and all this. My mom's an amazing cook. My stepfather, same thing, he, he was a chef. He was a head chef at Morton's of Chicago. Like we we knew how to cook, but man, we cooked cook some crazy stuff. You know, it's the Crisco stayed in the pan.
1: Uh-huh. You know
0: what I mean? And so we, we grew up in this environment where of course, also being on food stamps, going to you know food pantries and things like that to get assistance, the WIC program, we're getting very low quality food mm-hmm. as well because most folks don't realize that government subsidized programs like that. matter of fact, I'll, t- I'll tell everybody like this is this is why we're dealing with what we're dealing with just to keep it all the way 100 so everybody mm-hmm. understands this because I wanted to find out, do we actually have numbers on this? like why is this like this? All right so the Journal of the American Medical Association is one of the most prestigious journals here in the United States. They set out to find. If people who are consuming the most government subsidized foods have a higher rate of diseases. All right. is a very good question, because government subsidies were just from about 1995, we'll say, to 2010. All right, just a ballpark. The, the years are slightly different from in there. The government or the United States government provided one hundred and seventy billion dollars in government subsidies to farmers. Now, here's the key who mostly grow cash crops that show up through the drive through window and for processed foods. All right. There was an initial maybe it started off as good intention to feed America by providing subsidies to farmers. But the, 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 the companies who are profiting the most, who are making the lowest quality food, they jumped on it. And they were like, we're going to get these subsidies. We're going to find a way, government lobbying, whatever the case is, to get that money funneled into, to us to make high, you know, high fructose corn, syrup, corn production, genetically modified wheat, soy, these things that are used to make so many processed foods. And so here's what they found out in their study. So they was tracking the consumption of those government subsidized foods. And what they found was the people who had the highest consumption of government subsidized foods had about a 40% greater risk of being obese. right? Most predominantly Mm -hmm. happening in lower income communities. Mm -hmm. All right. This is not an accident. Our government is literally funding the diseases that we're seeing in our society, especially low income communities. And by the way, when I say our government, that means us, because that's our money. That's our tax dollars that are literally being used to poison us. So, okay. Now here's the good news. Here's the good news. Once you become oh. aware of this, yeah. we can start to shift things around because awareness is the foundation we got to stand on. Because sometimes it's kind of like we're punching, you know, punching the air. It's, it reminds me of that, Was that, uh, Boys in the Hood, Cuba Goody Jr., who used to so <laughs> mad, he's like punching the air, you know, like we can start punching the air instead of actually understanding what are we dealing with here so I can have self-awareness and be able to do a self-assessment. How am I interacting with these things? How are these things influencing me that I just don't even see? You know, they're so integrated into my environment. And so, you know, just to, 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 to lean into, okay, so what do we do? What are the solutions here? And how does this even affect us? Well, you know, one of the things you mentioned, we'll, we'll start with sleep first and then we'll pivot yeah. back into food. But you mentioned about uh, having this very high incidence of heart attacks for women who are getting, you know, who are, who are sleeping less than optimal amount each night. Now here, I got to tell you this straightforward. My book is, was not titled Sleep More for a reason, okay? It's not about sleeping more necessarily. It's about sleeping smarter and having more efficient sleep cycles because it doesn't matter. I know many people have experienced this. You might sleep eight hours and wake up feeling like trash, you know, struggling to get up. It's about having effective, efficient sleep cycles. And so in my clinical work, what I would do is I understand after, it took some time, of course, working with folks, but I'm grateful because again, just being somebody who has healthy skepticism, it took a little bit of time, but I realized that people want change, but they don't wanna change that much, all right? So Say people- know that,
1: we know that.
0: People want change, but they don't want to change that much because why is that? We might tell ourselves like, I'm, I'm fine with changing. I wanna change. We're very comfortable with who we are. We might not like it. We might not like who we are, but we're very comfortable with who we are. And we start to stretch outside of that paradigm. You know, your brain is hardwired to certain patterns and habits and ways of thinking. And when you go outside of that that, that kind of uh, hardwired programming, that's when you start to feel uncomfortable, you know, and it might even feel invigorating for a moment. But your brain is like, nah, that's not you, player. Like, what are you doing? You don't, <laughs> yeah. you don't get up and drink water we like don't that. don't do
1: this. <laughs>
0: you know, that's so, you know, that's why we kind of have that snap back into our old patterns. And so, understanding that we got, I, I find ways and help people to leverage their own psychology, knowing that in order for them to get the result that they want, they can't. For most people, turn their entire world upside down. Most people are not the rip the band-aid off type people. Let's do small things that you barely even know are happening to stack conditions in your favor. So what I did was I dug into the data, and I found I ended up being, I think maybe I started off as like fifteen things, but I was like, 21 sounds better. (laughs) But I found some clinically proven ways before I even got to writing books and any of that stuff. We found some clinically proven ways that people can improve their sleep quality tonight without having to turn their life upside down. And so one of those things was the timing of their exercise, right? So I would have patients that were coming in and they would, you know, their nutrition would be right. They're even exercising, but they exercise after work. And they go going to the gym and they're working out for an hours. And, and by the way, everybody, this is not to say that you can't do this. You can't work out in, in the time that fits for you. But Appalachian State University did a study and they went to find out what's the best time of day to exercise to improve your sleep quality. And so they had exercises to exclusively work out at 7am. In another phase, they had them exclusively work out at 1pm. And then another phase, exclusively work out at 7pm in the evening. They found that the morning exercises, when they were working out in the morning, they had more efficient sleep cycles. They spent more time in the deepest, most anabolic recovery stage of sleep. And they also, and this is one of the strange phenomena, they tend to sleep a little bit longer as well. Sleep, uh, getting some uh, exercise first thing in the morning. And this is missing the study too. I don't usually talk about this, but they also find that when people work out in the morning, they have a higher drop in their blood pressure in the evening, which is correlated to having a deactivation of that sympathetic fight or flight nervous system. All right. So what I start to have people do is like, even if you work out in the evening, just do 10 minutes of exercise in the morning, even five minutes just to get your heart rate up. And what it was, was we were resetting their cortisol rhythm because their cortisol would be too high in the evening, which cortisol it's kind of like, it's not exactly like this, but just to give an analogy, it's kind of like, um, a seesaw, and you've got melatonin and cortisol. And so if melatonin is up, cortisol is going to be down. If cortisol is up, melatonin is going to be down. So we can't have both happening at the same time. So what I need to do is get their cortisol up in the morning to help to reset that rhythm, because your cortisol should spike in the morning. That's normal. It's to get up and go like an internal coffee pot, you know, and then it should gradually drop as the day goes on. And so that in of itself, was effective for somewhere around 60% of the folks that that were having difficulty. And the reason I employed it for them was not to improve their sleep. It was just because I was shocked when I started asking people about their sleep. We were trying to get their blood pressure normalized and get them off lisinopril and statins. Mm-hmm. We were trying to get them off metformin. We were trying to address, you know, they're on uh, antidepressants. We're trying to address the underlying cause to get them healthier. You know, the side effect was, you know, some people who've been struggling with their weight their entire lives, sometimes the weight comes off, you know, finally comes off. And it's, they didn't even have to try harder. And that's the irony of the situation. Why it's so difficult because in our culture, we think you got to try, you got to keep working, work your face off, you know, hustle till you die, you know, no sleep, team, no sleep.
1: You know, so I can't for us stand to, that. <laughs> right,
0: right. And so for us to rationalize to do nothing to get something. So just to be still, and I'm gonna get these benefits, it's difficult to wrap your mind around. But so much mm-hmm. healing and basically a recalibration improvement of your immune of of your, I'm sorry, your metabolism and your immune system as well takes place during sleep. All right? It's one of the most anabolic states. you know, this is helping to optimize your sex hormones. So much wonderful uh, so many wonderful events are taking place during sleep. And this is why, the weight would come off. And I've got tons of studies we could talk about if we had time on that, but oh just my number one, I mean, this yeah. is why
1: people need to listen. This is why, first of all, number one fitness and nutrition show in the U S because the way that you break things down, um, first of all, is just fascinating, but also whenever I listen to your show, I feel like it's doable. Like it, you know, like I feel like, okay, I don't have to be super overwhelmed. I can make this one tweak, but it's like you said, for me, even I remember like some of this workout in the morning stuff, right? I've heard you say something about this before. And I was like, now Sean, now I like to work out in the evening because I used to force myself to work out in the morning, which was great, but then I found myself not necessarily meditating, journaling, praying, like the way that I like to in the morning. Um, I found myself trying to rush through that to get to the gym in time, to get back home in time, to start the day. And I didn't like that feeling because my faith pillar is important to me, right? So then I start working out in the evening and I'm like, this is great. Everything else is done. Now I can work out. And then my friend Sean is talking about working out in the morning again. And I'm like, oh man. How, but you made me feel like it's doable because five to 10 minutes of movement in the morning, I can do that and still yeah. do my thing in the evening.
0: Yeah. And that's all that's necessary. You know, it could be five minutes of, you know, do some yoga. Um, some people have like a little mini trampoline. You could jump on a rebounder, go for a quick walk. That's what I did this morning. And it was a cool, you know, it was a cool day here in California in the morning, which it was start, it like, sometimes it'll even get to me like, that's kind of cool, man, you know, maybe do something else, you know, but it's just like, man, I'm, I'm from where it might get below zero sometimes. And I'm out here like tripping because it's a little chilly outside. And so I just went and did a quick, like five, 10 minute walk up and down my block and start my day. You know, that's it's what simple. I do 99% of the time. Yeah. Just something just to get that cortisol rhythm reset, get your blood circulating, you know, and also again, you can do your thing. And this is also, let me give an important caveat. This is why there's so many different strategies. Like you don't have to do just one thing. You know, if the exercise mm-hmm. thing, is it for you? Because some people, they work out in the morning, but they still, their sleep is not on point. You know, it's it's really catering things for you. And there's so many different ways.
1: You, you have know, a even million mentioned. things though listed in the book, because one thing I found fascinating was even, um, I don't know if it was in the book or I heard it on your podcast, but it was about improving air quality.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah. Yes. Who, That's
1: like who knew that
0: researchers, NASA scientists found out that there are certain plants that dramatically help to improve your sleep quality. I'm sorry, improve the air quality at night. And they're now since writing the book, I mean, I actually there was just this past six months. I did an updated episode really breaking down some of the new mm-hmm. science and just how much our air quality in our bedroom affects our sleep quality. It is crazy. It is actually really, really remarkable. And so they had these studies where they would have basically a timer on the vent allowing external air in or, you know, students. And this was done in a dorm setting. So it's like a ward study with the window open or not open. Every time the vast majority of folks had significantly improved sleep quality that they're using tracking objective measurements when they were getting, um, you know, quote, fresh air. And this doesn't mean you have to open the window in, you know, in the winter time, but maybe you've got even having a fan on in your room helps the, the air to circulate and this kind of stay, you know, the ions are a little bit more crisp. Mm-hmm. You know, this could be opening the window. They even found opening the window before bed, like just having a window open when you're, you know, just through the day and, or, you know, allowing in some external air, you know, like we might have a, a some kind of a vent or something you could open up to allow in, Air to circulate. But basically the bottom line is we're a lot of people are trying not to eat processed food, but we're we're straight up breathing processed air a lot of the time because we're just cooped up inside, you know, and of all the nutrients that we need to be human, to be alive here on planet on on planet Earth, air is number one. All right. Water is like, of course, people have that thing where you could survive X amount of days, you know, a month without food, you know, Mm -hmm. a week without water. You can only survive a few minutes without oxygen without air so it is that important and so to, to just rationalize the fact let me improve the air quality in my room and by the way so that plant was a snake plant so um people can get one from amazon or deliver it to you you know you don't even have to go to the store to get it and just have it in your room and the reason also i mentioned mention this is that i personally i'm not like a green thumb type of person where you know plants don't do too well but snake plants are resilient like they're forgiven they're like they're they're basically like i know they forgot me it's okay i know they (laughs) love me you know like it'll just keep doing its thing you know requires very little attention but um yeah english ivy is another one but you know the snake plant in particular oh
1: my gosh sean you know so much like i just want to sit at your feet and listen to all of this how many podcast episodes do you have at this point
0: oh man I think about 550
1: yeah oh my god okay purpose chasers y'all got work to do we have we have episodes to listen to but sleep smarter and eat smarter I have to let you go I I have another interview and I'm like no I really want to get to the food stuff I know you guys want to hear this I might have to beg Ann for a part two I I I (laughs) have to beg Beg my sister and for a part two, but listen, before I let you go, I ask every guest on the podcast, a few quick redefining wealth, rapid wisdom questions. And I want you to just tell us the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Okay. All right. How do you define success now?
0: Hmm. Peace, um, uh, smiles on my family's faces.
1: Oh, okay. Um. Define wealth in three words or less.
0: Mm. Health, uh, service, and mm, passion. Okay.
1: What's one book that has redefined how you see wealth?
0: Mm. Wow. Oh, it's so many. Wow. Okay. Hmm. Wow, that is so tough. I've got like a scan <laughs> of books going through my mind. Um, I'm just going to go with the classic because today uh, I actually, in a few hours, we're releasing a special tribute to Bob Proctor um, who, who we lost recently, you know, and um, he's one of the greats in personal development. And he shared with me that he, he reads his copy of Think and Grow Rich every day. Still, yeah. you know, yeah, well into his 80s. When we had our, our conversation, I think he was maybe 82, man. I'm telling you, he's so on fire, man. Yeah. But So that book was very special. It's a, it's a special book for sure. Think and Grow Rich.
1: Love it. Okay, you're going to fill in the blank. My name is, and to me, the truth about wealth is. <laughs>
0: All right. Um, my name is Sean Stevenson. And to me, the truth about wealth is, it's already yours. Come on. It's already yours. Everything that you need, it's already within you. You know, your your gifts, your unique capacities and talents and creativity, it's all within you. It might be dormant, but it's there.
1: Mm. And I would venture to say sometimes dormant because we're not asking better questions of ourselves right it's it just goes back to what you said in the beginning listen sean again i could talk to you all day i hope i get to talk to you again this was so good and so informative and i hope inspiring for you purpose chasers out there you know what we believe the fifth pillar is the first pillar at redefining wealth because this stuff matters there's no chasing purpose if you can't breathe and if you can't focus and if you don't have mental clarity and mental toughness it all matters and again check out sean's podcast the model health show you probably are already familiar with it but just a reminder and sean where else can they connect with you i know you're very active on instagram so i want to send people that way unless you want to <laughs> send them somewhere else
0: Sure. Yeah. I'm at Sean model on Instagram, S-H-A-W-N model on Instagram. And of course, you know, sleep smarter is a wonderful resource available anywhere books are sold, but eat smarter is that's my new baby. And when it came out, it was the number one bestseller in the United States, number one new release bestseller. Mm -hmm. And so a fiction and nonfiction. And so I saw it on the charts. It was like right next to Michelle Obama's book. And it's just like, I'm again, being a guy from Ferguson, like, on the surface, you would think I have no possibility of doing something like that. And, you know, this is so much bigger than me. And I'm just grateful that I get to be a vessel to express this through. It's a really special book. And like, if my goal was, if you have a question about nutrition, based, by, based on real science, it's mm-hmm. the answers in the book in a way that is fun and, you know, something you can carry with you forever. So people can find both of those books anywhere books are sold.
1: I love this. What a testament to chasing purpose, not money, though because you got into this to help other people feel better, right, and and learn from your experience and look at where it's taking you and the folks that you've met. I mean, y'all heard him drop Bob Proctor and Tony Robbins all nonchalant. Like, yeah, I was just talking to Tony, you know, when I talked to Bob Proctor, godfather of personal development, but look at where it has taken your life and how many lives you've impacted. Um, just such a blessing to know you and just so proud of you and so grateful for the connection that we've made as well. And the purpose chasers, you know how I feel here. I just want you to go live your life's purpose, find fulfillment and earn more without ever chasing money until next time. I'll talk to you later.